Welcome to Here for the Health of It podcast. We have George Wright with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, my wife Megan and I have been married 20 years. Actually, just had our 20-year anniversary, so that's a huge victory. That's nice. for that. We have four kids uh, that are, let's see, 17 down to nine. So we have a full house, and I'm a, a senior pastor I've been at Shandon Baptist here in Columbia for the last four and a half years, and our family is actually in the transition process right now, um, going to a, a church in Birmingham, Alabama. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. You're busy. And there's a lot going on. There's a whole <laughs> lot going on. Yeah, moving is uh, about the worst thing you could possibly tell me I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know you told me that you felt like God really was has been with you through this transition. Oh, and you sure. You feel at peace with it. What does that look like for you making the decision and now making the move? Yeah, this, this has been a long process for us. In fact, almost six months of talking, praying, evaluating, just trying to determine, uh, is, this, is this the right decision for our family? I mean, just mm-hmm. in what I said with where our kids are, I mean, guys, we've got two that will be in high school next year. We've got one that will be in middle school, one in elementary school. There's a lot that factors into that. Um, quality of life questions, all those things. But then most importantly for us, it really is uh, the calling. Is this, is this the best way for us to utilize what God's entrusted to us? Is this the best way to, to use our lives, hopefully to make a difference in the lives of others? Mm-hmm. And just the more we prayed through it, talked through it, kind of laid it all out and had conversations with people that we trust uh, as voices of wisdom, we just said, yeah, this is this is something that the Lord's in. This is something that makes a lot of sense for us. And it really is a great opportunity for our family. Cool. Two quick questions. So one, um, do my biceps look too big for this shirt to start? <laughs> and I then two, yeah, because it was, yeah, cause it was you sit like this and yeah, it helps no. a lot. You know? <laughs> and then two, <laughs> when did you know you were, you were going to be a pastor? Cause I always wonder like, was yeah, there a, a moment question. when you were young where it hit you like this is yeah well. that's that's a great question and I, I actually have gotten that question for a long time my dad is a pastor okay and pastors just retired in fact but pastor a very large church in Atlanta where I grew up and so I had people all the time saying hey are you gonna do what your dad does all that kind of thing and I actually I, I wouldn't say I was opposed to it but I had every intention of doing something different right um, my faith has always been very important to me um, grateful to have parents in ministry that were very authentic it wasn't like a show it wasn't yeah. hey we do one thing on sunday and then we live, a, live different a different way, way. Yeah. I, I mean i saw i saw a very legitimate faith with my parents i'm grateful for that yeah but i i wanted to be in business um i in fact went to university of south carolina to get a business degree nice and got a marketing and management degree and right as I was graduating Megan and I were getting married and uh, she did not marry a minister we weren't even talking about ministry at the time Um, and I was interviewing for jobs and I actually had some great opportunities and accepted a job in sales with a building supply company so it was seemingly a very good situation coming out of college and I was gonna be able to provide for my new bride which that's a good thing yeah um, but the moment I accepted that job, I, the only way I can describe it is it was just total unrest in my life. Mm-hmm. I, for the first time ever, was waking up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep, having cold sweats, having all these doubts about, man, is this what I'm supposed to do right. with my life? 
And so I just realized that that the Lord was using that to get my attention. And so we kind of took a step back and just really began to evaluate, okay, is this how we're supposed to spend our life? And so just felt like in that season, God made it really, really clear uh, through some opportunities that I had, through some experiences I'd had in college, just getting to be a, a speaker at some things and being involved in some volunteer ministry stuff, yeah. just realizing, hey, this was a change of direction. God had a different plan for our life, yeah. and we wanted to honor that. And so um, we were we were unified in that. It wasn't a big fight or an argument, thank goodness. Right. Um, and so we we just b- began to pursue that, and that was 20 years ago. Yeah. So I'm very grateful for the was direction she, he's taken us When in. you guys met, was she always involved in church? And Yeah, that was a big part of our relationship okay. from the beginning. We, we met in college, um, and it was one of those things where, hey, we were involved in a lot of things on campus. She was in a sorority. I was in a fraternity. We were doing college stuff. But at the same time, our faith was very important to us. Yeah. And we were trying to, to live a little bit different than a lot of people live in college. Right. And so when we found one another, that was a great thing for us because faith was the foundation for, for both of us nice. from the beginning of our relationship. Do you want to shout out your fraternity and sorority at all? <laughs> we can. Um, I was a Delta Tall Delta, which I've been told is no longer on campus <laughs> at uh, South Carolina. So um, yeah, they lived it up pretty good. Okay. Um, and then Megan, my wife, was, a, was an Alpha Delta Pi, which is a, a strong sorority still evidently in South Carolina. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So now you're 20 years into this. Yeah. What do you see health-wise in the church, let's say physically and mentally, that's either great or not great? That's a that's a great question. Um, and you know we see we see everything in the church. Um, the church is definitely a place where you see the best and you see the worst. I mean, that's just reality of ministry. Um, and one of the things I would say as it relates to the health question specifically is, um, I, I really believe that when the Bible talks about health, it talks about health holistically. Um, in fact, even uh, going in the Old Testament, what would be called the Shema, kind of the foundational statement for the, the people of Israel, love the Lord your God with our, all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the New Testament, Jesus builds on that even more in what he calls the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what I see there in, in the scripture is that the Bible is teaching us that health really is a holistic picture of, of all areas of our life. And that's often a disconnect for people in the church. Um, a lot of times people come to the church looking for help with their spiritual health or maybe relational health, but they don't think about their emotional health. They don't think about their physical health. And it really is all connected. I'm just a firm believer that you can only go as far spiritually as you go emotionally, as you go relationally, as you go physically. And so I I really believe that the Bible teaches us that we need to be paying attention to health in every area of our life, that it is all connected. And if if one area of our life is kind of out of balance or out of whack, it's going to impact the rest of our life. And then we're going to have all these issues and problems that we're not even sure how to address because we're not paying attention to a specific area of health Mm -hmm. in our life. And so um, just really want to look at it from that holistic picture. And I think... Sometimes in the church, people are, are very narrow in their focus as it relates to health. And so just try to speak but into and, that a little in bit. The, the min, like in the ministry side of it, the people leading or I think the both. congregation? I think both. I mean, you know, that I, I'm a, a Southern Baptist pastor. There's been a long-running joke that, 
you know, Southern Baptist preachers are, are fat, overweight, bald guys, you know, <laughs> and nothing wrong with any of that, but just, you know, paying attention to some things, but not paying attention to other things. And there's no question, hey, if you're not paying attention to your physical health, it's going to impact your life. If you're not paying attention to your emotional health, it's going to impact your life. We all know if you're not paying attention to relational health, it's going to impact your life. And then certainly as a pastor, but as somebody who really is very involved in the life of the church, I would say if you're not paying attention to your spiritual health, it's going to impact your life. Yeah. And so they're all connected, but sometimes we just kind of get too focused in on one to the neglect of some others and just feel like it's something that, that we need to pay attention to across the board. Mm-hmm. Even, even in the chiropractic world, we see this a lot too, where somebody will come from a, the medical world and say, oh, they looked at this one specific area, but no other component of their life. That's right. Or they'll say, oh, you're not sleeping. And instead of addressing other aspects that could be affecting someone's sleep, it's just, well, here's a drug, take That's right. this. Instead of addressing the person as a whole, they just try to put a band-aid on that one little solution. Uh, so then tell us, from your own perspective, what do you find were the tips or the keys that you got from maybe a mentor or somebody who helped you to know how to stay healthy while leading so many people? Well, I think at a, at a young age for me, um, I did have some, some voices in my life, including my parents, but also some, some leaders in my life that were giving me a picture of this holistic health perspective. Oh, cool. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, and just the reality that it is all connected. And so um, I, I had a mentor early on when I first got into ministry who said, hey, you need to know your number one job description should be pursuing health. And they were talking about from a spiritual standpoint mm-hmm. for sure, but they were also talking about, hey, if, if you're not physically healthy, you're going to be tired all the time. You're not going to have the energy you need. Yeah. You're not going to be able to go the distance. Um, if you're not relationally healthy, man, you're going to be burning bridges all the time and people aren't going to trust you. I mean, like all of these things are connected and you got to pay attention to it. And if the leader of a church is not healthy, the church is not going to be healthy. And I would say that for any organization. If the leader of an organization is not healthy, it's going to be really tough for that organization to be healthy. And so treating that as the number one job description, paying attention to it, and really striving to, to pursue health and grow in health um, in all those different areas. And one of the things that, that that same mentor challenged me to do was at the beginning of every year, when you're thinking about goals or you know, some people call them resolutions, whatever the case may be, have some, have some things you're trying to grow in in every area of your health. So how are you going to grow this year relationally? How are you going to grow this year spiritually? How are you going to grow this year physically? And just have some attainable goals that you can lay out and, and really pursue uh, in all the different areas of health and pay attention to it. So what I've always wondered the percentage of prayer requests that are based on health. Is it pretty high? I mean, I would I would put like financial probably up there, and then health um, as the pri- primary um, things that people want prayer for yeah. or come to you guys for guidance. And then as a lead pastor, what role should the church take on as uh, providing health advice or financial advice? Because I know Dave Ramsey, you know, puts together an incredible yeah, program. Some great tools out there. And Absolutely. I see a lot of churches that will do, you know, something like that for finances, and that seems to be incredible. 
And then on the health side, I think it's so skewed because you probably get so many people in a massive church that want you to, hey, you need to promote this product to your people sure. and you need to, you know what I mean? And, and right. so That's it's right. very tough yeah. um, to find where the church steps in, knowing that there's so many people suffering and praying every week. And yes, spiritually, you know, you guys help guide them with that. But then the physical side of like, you know they're not eating right. You know they're not sure. getting enough rest. You know they're not drinking enough water. The basics. Right. And where and how does a church take on that responsibility or should they? Yeah. I, well, again, I think it goes back to that holistic approach of what the Scripture teaches about health. And you know, one of the things we try to prioritize in all that we do is, is the Word of God. And that, you know, some people don't want to hear that. Uh, some people don't agree with that, but for us, that's the foundation. And so we want to make sure everything we're talking about is, is held up by the Scripture. Right. And Scripture does address all those things. It addresses our relational health, our physical health, our financial health, certainly our spiritual health. And so um, we want to pay attention to that. We want to teach that. We want to talk through it. But we also want to do everything we can to be as proactive as possible in what we're talking about and promoting as it relates to health in any of these categories. One of the challenges, though, in ministry is a lot of times you're not dealing with an individual or talking to an individual until the problems have already really happened. Yeah. And so you have to be a little more reactive. And so yeah. the way we deal with that is we try to we try to teach and cast vision towards what is ideal, which would be a proactive approach. But then we try to do ministry in what is real and yeah. just recognize, hey, we're meeting with a lot of folks that they're just trying to put some pieces back together. Or, man, the car wreck just happened and they're just trying to figure right. out how do, how do we get things back on track. Or, or there's a relationship that's just a disaster and how do we respond to that. And so we want to do ministry there. We want to meet people where they are and try to be as helpful as possible and encouraging as possible. While at the same time trying to provide a picture of what the Word of God lays out that, man, you can be proactive to pursue these things. You can walk in wisdom. There's a whole book in the Bible about wisdom in the Proverbs. There are things you can do to pursue wisdom and to have a life that would be more healthy right. if you would take that seriously starting right, right now. And so just talking through some of those things and, and paying attention to what's really going on, casting vision to what could be, and then trusting that, man, there's something spiritual here. God does things when we actually pay attention to the things that matter. So. Right. And in a time like now, um, we always err on the side that, like, with bacteria and viruses and what's happening in our world, it seems as though the focus has shifted to man and what can we create to try to combat something versus focusing back on the wisdom of God and how he set our bodies up to heal and function. Sure. And it, it just seems that every the more we push into man's going to come up with the tool, the pill, the shot, the lotion, the surgery, that we move further and further from health. And I feel like the crisis continues unless we internalize that and go back to the roots. Because I always wondered just, and I'm a novice at the Bible— um, but does it ever talk about, I've always heard of like pharmakeia is, is a term that they'll use in the Bible, um, and how people will quote different things and use it for their advantage in, in like, whether it's like stay away from drugs or, or, or take drugs. Is there any, is there anything in the Bible that helps people realize 
we do believe there's a place for medications and surgeries sure. and, on, and sure. man's involvement in that. But we think that that should be after we've exhausted everything that we can do and in following, the again, the basics of God designed this for food. God designed us to move. God designed us for relationships. And if we're, if we're screwing up all that and just waiting for a cure from man, it just seems so opposite of what Christianity or what the Bible talks about. So is there anything specifically in the Bible that you can think of that would help guide people more to it's on me first versus I got a headache or I can't sleep and take a pill. Sure. Yeah, I think a couple of things I would say, and, and these would be more big picture based on the, the question you're asking. But I think, number one, you, you hit on this just briefly, but the Word of God teaches us that there really is a God, and you and I are not it. And so right. I think where we often get off track quickly is we just want to put ourselves at the center of the universe and we want to act like we're the expert on everything and man we read this article so we need right. we know everything that needs to be known here and we we're not very good listeners and we're not very good learners and so what the scripture teaches is man a posture of humility su- submitting to a a higher authority which the scripture calls God yes. um, and trusting that there is a design there is a creator there is a way that is best for man mm-hmm. and that we deceive ourselves more right. often than we really want to admit. And so just trusting in the authority, I think, you know, we have a, we have a real authority issue in right. our culture. Right. We want to be the authority on everything. And, and even just, you know, the way we go about uh, discovering what we think is best for us, we want to be at the center. And what the Word of God does, it says, hey, you're not at the center. Right. God is at the center. He created this. He does have a plan. He does have a purpose. If you'll trust him, if you'll follow his ways, it doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. I mean, we live in a broken world, and there's going to be a lot of issues. But if you'll follow his ways and walk in humility and actually listen and learn, you're going to have a lot better path to the life that he created you to live. And so I think that's that's certainly a big-picture issue. And I think just the reality, I mean, I kind of already hit this, but... People just don't want to listen to somebody who actually has paid attention and devoted their life to a certain area or field. And the reality is, without humility, without a willingness to listen, we really are going to struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just being willing to learn, being willing to listen, and trust those who actually have gone before us, who actually have experienced some things that we haven't experienced uh, and being willing to acknowledge, hey, I need to learn and I need to grow and I need to evaluate. You know, people want the easy way out. Right. You, you talked about the pill or the lotion yeah. or the cream. People want the easy way out. Fits their narrative. That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. And the reality is um, walking in health, pursuing health, a life of faith, especially in the culture we live in today, that's not the easy mm-hmm. path. Right. But it is a great path. I would argue it's the best path. Right. And it's a path that puts our life in a position where we actually want to be, but you just can't shortcut faithfulness. And you just sh- can't shortcut consistency. And you just can't shortcut growth. Like you have to take your time and walk through some things that are challenging mm-hmm. to learn and to grow. And if we're constantly looking for the easy way out or the quick fix, we're right. going to constantly be frustrated. Right. I, I imagine myself, if I was a pastor and I saw the same prayer request coming from the same person, 
my pray for my heart disease, pray for my heart disease. And then every night you drive home and they're in the McDonald's drive through <laughs> Just like, I'm not praying for that anymore. You got to quit going there. I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's funny. It, and it, it, it's an interesting thing because I'll talk to patients about, you know, science is, is great, but it's never going to catch up to God. That's right. So That's right. we take the right now science and apply it like it's God. That's right. And, and as you were touching on, like it's the all being knows everything and you need to listen to the research right now. But we, we fast forward 100 years or look back 100 years ago and science changes every second. That's right. And is when it gets close to and matches up with how God set things up, it's incredible. And I found that the less um, that you need to find a research article for something, the better it is for you. Like, I don't need more research on sleep or movement or water or spinach. You know, it's like as more stuff comes out and we find out more about, wow, spinach helps with even more stuff than it did, than we knew, <laughs> right? Um, but when there's all this stuff like you're seeing that is just promoting something that came up in a lab that it needs to stand the test of time. And until it does, it should be something we could go 500 years from now, I can still feel good about ABC. Um, and if, if we don't approach things that way, I think that's where things get extremely messy in the health and, and church world. So, so, so tell us then a little bit about what you're looking forward to in this new position. And then we have questions about your favorite spots in Columbia and okay. what you'll miss the most. Okay. Well, um, we're, we are excited about this new position for a lot of reasons. Um, and the two primary would be um, the, the church culture that we're stepping into is a culture that really has been built upon sending people out the door to actually live out and do the work of the ministry that we talk about on a Sunday. Um, and you know, I think that should be the goal and objective for every church. Some churches do it more than others. Mm -hmm. Some churches have a history of it or more of a DNA of it. But just excited to be able to step into a culture where we're getting to join with a group of people that already have been taught uh, and encouraged to go live the mission outside the walls of the church. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Sunday's important. Uh, gathering together is important. We should never neglect that. But the reality is, if, if what we say we believe is something we actually believe, it should really be seen more Monday through Saturday than it should on Sunday. And so... Um, just excited to be a part of that. Uh, this is a church that we're going to that's involved all over the world and some of the m greatest areas of need. And I mean, I just believe that, that the gospel really shines the brightest where it is the darkest. And so um, being able to join in with that, that's something we're really, really excited about. Um, and then secondly is just a, a focus on the next generation. Um, I think every church would say, hey, we focus on the next generation but the reality is a lot of churches are not positioned to really reach and care about the next generation because it's more focused on those who are already there or those who have you know, paved the way before, the way things have always been done. And so just really excited to be able to, to lean into and push into uh, reaching the next generation, loving the next generation, and then empowering the next generation to do what they've been created to do. Cool. So, yeah. And I got a couple like follow-up just in the church as a whole, what what would you say the biggest challenge with the church facing the church right now? And to to your point, like demographically, do you see a swing in when you're at Atlanta to here to now where you're headed? Is it is the demographic even age group 
Is it mostly older people? Is it younger people? And how do you create or reach or get more children involved? Because it seems like the movement's been, or it's more older people that are still attending church. And the programs aren't, there aren't a lot of programs that involve children, or, or if they are, uh, it's a little bit more challenging to get them there. Sure. Um, and so I guess, yeah, those, those couple questions on like, what do you think the biggest challenge facing the church is? And then how do we get more children and, and younger people involved? Yeah, so let me hit that, the second question first and yep. then come back to the biggest challenge. Um, you know, it, it really is a, a situation in church that the church just naturally gets older unless there's intentionality. I mean, that, that's just the reality. Right. Um, and if you look at just even the average age of pastors around the country, it's like somewhere in the mid to late 50s. Um, and so that means we've got a whole generation that has possibly never been empowered or called out or challenged to step into leadership right. or has never been given the opportunity to step into leadership. And so it takes real intentionality as far as raising the next generation of leaders because to do ministry to a specific generation, you've got to have that generation represented in the leadership. And so um, there's intentionality there, but then I also think it takes sacrifice, it takes resources, again, with intentionality to say, hey, we're going to go after the next generation. Right. The spiritual conversation, the spiritual questions are not different from one generation to the next. It's just how the conversation's being had and where the conversation's being had. The reality is people talk to their friends about spiritual things. They just do. And whether they're in church or not, people talk to their friends about spiritual things. The question is, is the church willing to meet people on their terms and get into those conversations that need to be had and then say, hey, there's a place for you here to really process those conversations. And there's a foundation here on the Word of God that will speak into the spiritual questions that you have and you're welcome to the table and you're welcome to be a part of this family. It just takes intentionality. And the reality is it's hard uh, because you gotta give some things up and you possibly gotta change some traditions or you gotta try some new things. But the, again, the questions are the same. Uh, the packaging's not the same. Right. The context is not the same. And uh, is the church going to really be willing to say, "Hey, we're willing to meet you on your terms, mm-hmm. and let's have these conversations"? So that that would speak a little bit to the generational side. Yeah. And I think uh, intentionality is is the main issue there. As far as the the biggest challenge to the church, I mean, gosh, we're coming off. I think one of the hardest years that any of us can remember in every category and it certainly has impacted the church and what it's done is it has revealed I think um, that there's a lot of people inside the church that would say their faith is the most important thing in their life and then this last year has revealed their faith is actually not the most important thing in their life it's their politics or it's their you know what they think about health or mm-hmm. it's fear or whatever and so there's a lot of different issues that have been exposed that I believe the Word of God speaks to the question is are we actually going to allow the Word of God to speak into our lives on these very important issues whether it's gosh whether it's race politics finances economics I mean all these things that people have been so concerned about and right. up in arms about and rightly so sure I mean, it's that there's very legitimate arguments in all of this, but the question is, are we gonna go back to our earlier point of the conversation, are we gonna humble ourselves 
and be willing to let the Word of God speak into these issues yeah. and say, hey, there is an authority that speaks into these issues that really needs to be heard right now. Um, and so it's it's been a, a challenge across the board, but I do think it's bringing us back to what matters right. most. Right. And I'm grateful for that. I mean, I, I really think it's a privilege yeah. to be in the church and to be leading in the church during this time. It's been hard. But it's really a privilege because yeah. the Word of God speaks to all these issues if we'll let it right. and if we'll listen. Yeah, that's good. So kind of in closing, tell us the two places that you're going to miss the most in Colombia to eat. To eat, that's that's good. Um, and in fact, I, I've got a, a couple of buddies that I'm, I'm grabbing meals with um, as we transition. And I said, okay, here's the list of places. You have to choose one of these because I'm going to be really sad yeah. when I'm not eating of these. Yeah. Um, so the first one was Rockaways, and um, that's over on off of Rosewood. It's a kind of a hamburger joint, kind of a dive. I've never, I've I've never, never heard of it. I've never been either. to Rockaways. No. Oh my gosh, Comino cheeseburger at Rockaways wow. is okay. it's the real deal. Okay. Now that goes back to college for me. So it's been around Columbia a long time, mm-hmm. a whole lot longer than me, um, and it's a dive. Like it's it's hard to find, and they like it that way. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it, and it's it's a good place. So I'll, I'll miss Rockaways. <laughs> I'm going there later this week. So he's going to be swamped with the millions, yeah, millions of so. people listening to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. The whole world's coming out. <laughs> um, and then the the other place that I'll definitely miss um, that's not just in Columbia, but is a South Carolina place is Home Team Barbecue, and yeah. that it's out of Charleston. It's new to Columbia in the last couple of years, but man, they do brisket right. as well I'm as anybody. That in Columbia mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a good place so it's good like stuff cool yeah and then for the pet lovers the uh, big question is do all dogs go to heaven actually man that is a great question <laughs> I, mean, I had You're to throw it in there for, for this or I just want I just want to yeah. know if it's all dogs so I'll kind of skirt around <laughs> okay. that uh, and answer this way I believe when you get to heaven if you get to heaven because not everybody's going I do believe that, and everybody's going. But but if you get to heaven, it's going to be so much better than anything you could have imagined that you're not going to be disappointed in anything. So I'll just leave it at that. I like that answer. That's a good answer. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> here. We're here for the health of it. For the health of it.